a story is coming. Once, a thousand miles ago, just before lunch, a small breeze blew. It blew a single spring leaf across a dazzling blue sky, but other than that, not much was happening. The world was going about its business as normal. The blossoms were blossoming and the breeze was breezing and bees buzzed and clouds scudded by. It was a good day, though, full of possibilities, and if anyone had been about that day, they would have been skipping through meadows with their hair in bunches or tucked into silly hats, singing tra-la-la-la-la. That was the sort of day on which our story starts. Because all is quiet now and not much is happening, I have time to tell you that our story is set in Wales. We have to imagine the forests and the rivers, the hills and the valleys and such like. Oh, and the trees! So many trees! There were trees by the rivers and trees on the hills, trees in the valleys and trees by the beaches. All of Wales was covered in the things. Now people lived in those forests all those years ago, and they are busy right now doing their chores, finding berries and sharpening knives and fixing their shelters and making their beds. They are happy enough, those people, though they have lots of jobs to do. Now, living alongside the trees and the people was all manner of wildlife. There were so many animals living in that forest, you might trip up on them. There were birds and badgers, butterflies and bugs. But the animals that most intrigued the people were the wolves. The people were fascinated with the wolves, with their paws and their claws and their jaws. And the children especially would watch them at night from a distance, howling at the moon and running silently with their pack under a thousand, thousand stars. The people loved their silvery fur and their wise, glittery green eyes. They thought, too, that wolves weren't so very different from them. For wolves looked after their pups, much like humans looked after their babies, although humans rarely lick their babies like wolves do. Wolves worked together with their pack to stay alive, and they knew and loved the land, just as the humans do. One day, one of the human grown-ups had a thought. She longed for some help with her chores and for a special friend, preferably a furry one. So, she took a pair of wolf cubs into her home and looked after them as she did her children. The woman looked after the wolf cubs so well, and they became part of the family. When those cubs grew up, they had wolf cubs of their own. And when the women's children grew up, they looked after the cubs of the cubs of the cubs. And when the children of the children of the woman grew up, they looked after the cubs of the cubs of the cubs. And when those children grew up, well, well, I think you get the picture now. Well, time moves straight. One day, one of the human grown-ups had a thought. She longed for some help with her chores and for a special friend, preferably a furry one. So she took a pair of wolf cubs into her home and looked after them as if they were her own children. The woman looked after the wolf cubs so well and they became part of the family. And when those cubs grew up, they had wolf cubs of their own. And when the woman's children grew up, they looked after the cubs of the cubs. And when the children of the children of the woman grew up, they looked after the cubs of the cubs of the cubs. And when those children grew up, well, I think you get the picture now. 
Well, time moves in straight lines and sometimes in circles. And soon enough, seven days felt like seven seconds, felt like seven centuries. And time began to pass fast and slow at the same time and then all of a muddle. And after a while, there were wolves and children as far as the eye could see and going down long family lines. And no one even remembered how they came to be. But a funny thing happened. Those wolves weren't really wolves anymore. They had grown so tame and so gentle that they had become what we now call dogs. Well, the people looked after the dogs and they gave them names. They fed them and they stroked them and they gave them warm beds by warm fires. In return, the dogs did all kinds of things for the people. I wonder if you can think of any. Dogs repaid the humans' kindness and fetched things for the people. They pulled their sleighs in icy lands and they barked at burglars. They helped the blind and the deaf and they brought company to the lonely. In short, the people and the dogs became friends. Everything was good, at least for a while. But, and there's always a but in stories, one day the people decided that the dogs would need some rules. And they thought and they thought about what rules they should have. Now, people like to make rules about what to do and some other rules about what not to do. They make rules about what would happen if you don't follow the rules and what would happen if you followed the wrong rules. Some people even have jobs to sit and make the rules. Now, some people like rules and some people do not. And the people in our story from long ago liked rules, but they also liked to keep things simple. So they gave the dogs just one rule and this was it. The people gathered the dogs together and they said, Dogs, you must never, ever, ever pretend that you are human. You must never do the things that only humans can do. You are four legs and we are two legs and you must not do what only humans can. The people spent a long time talking about this rule and it was quite boring so some of the dogs fell asleep. When the humans went, however, some of the dogs started giggling and sniggling, chortling and chuckling, giggling and guffawing. One of the dogs, a little dachshund, said, What on earth are they talking about? Why would we want to do anything that the humans can do? Yes, barked a great dame. We dogs can do things much better than the humans. We can hear much better than the humans. And we run much faster than even the fastest human runner. Oh, and the delicious things we can smell that they can't. The dogs thought a little. But humans can sew, they can cook, they can ride a horse. And the dogs laughed and laughed at the idea of humans doing these silly and pointless things. And then, pushing itself to the front of the dogs, came a small and shy looking dog. She cleared her voice in that way she had seen people do when they had something very important to say. <clears throat> but humans can dance, said the little dog. The other dog stopped, stood still and held their breath. What had the dog said? They can dance. Dogs can't dance or sing. Humans can dance. They can do the tango. The polka, they can disco dance. 
They can sing while they dance. They can sing and dance. They can dance and sing. They can twirl. They can swirl. They can do the splits. They can dance in high heels. They can pirouette and jeté. They can leap across a stage and somersault. The dogs were silent. They thought for a long time, and then one of them said, "The rule. You've broken the rule." Without another word, the dogs ran home to their houses, and they lay by their fires, whining softly to themselves. The idea of dancing began to grow in each and every one of those doggy minds. It grew like an acorn into a sapling, and then a huge, enormous oak tree, so that they could think of nothing but dancing all day long. One day they'd had enough. Well, what harm was there in trying? They met in a hut far from the humans, where they felt they could speak freely. They discussed dancing. They discussed singing. They talked and talked until the early hours of the morning, and they made a cunning plan. The dogs decided to meet in the woods the very next day. They took a torch of burning wood to a big clearing, and they made a big and very safe and supervised fire, and stood around looking at each other. A Labrador stepped forward in a very grown-up-looking way. "Shall we dance?" he said. He tried to get up on his hind legs and began swaying wildly as he did. It didn't look much like dancing to the other dogs, who began to snigger. Another dog jumped up on their hind legs, and putting their forepaws together, the two dogs began to dance together. They swayed this way and that way like a tree in a storm. The other dogs began to yap and howl, thinking they were singing. And other pairs of dogs paired up, swaying to the music. The dogs began to enjoy themselves. Some of them laughing so much it looked like crying. Look at us! They cried. Well, if you could have been a flea on the back of one of those dogs, or a bird in one of the swishy swaying trees, well, what a sight you would have seen! Suddenly, one of the dogs barked. Stop! Stop! We look foolish," she said. "We don't look like humans at all." They don't dance about standing on each other's tails. Nothing was going to stop these dogs from dancing now. They had rhythm in their feet and joy in their toes, and nothing but nothing would stop them moving. So one of the dogs howled, "Off with our tails!" And the whole jolly lot of dogs stepped on their tails and pulled them right off. There were slim tails and fat tails, spotty tails and straggly tails, clean tails and smelly tails, and they nosed them into a pile to one side of the fire, and they began to dance even more wildly than before. And if you think you have ever partied, think again, because no one knows how to party like a bunch of dancing tailless dogs. Now the sound of the crackling fire, the dogs' dancing feet, and their yips and howls began to travel. The sound travelled over the tops of the trees and down the valleys. It travelled past the full moon and along the breezes until it came to land at the door of the huts of the humans. The humans were naturally curious about those sounds, and they followed the noises through the dark forest until they came to that clearing with its fire. And dancing dogs and great fluffy pile of tails. Dogs! The human shouted. What do you think you're doing? 
and as they looked and realised the dogs were trying to dance, they realised to their horror that the dogs had broken the rule. Dogs, they said, you have broken the rule. After all, what else could they say? Well, the dogs weren't about to sit around waiting to get shouted at. Oh no, they turned tail and ran. Some of the dogs ran fast out of fear, and others seemed to run in slow motion. Some ran round and round in circles for a bit, trying to chase their non-existent tails. Before they had got very far, one of the dogs shouted, Stop! What about our tails? Not one of the dogs had stopped to pick up their tails. They hesitated, thinking for a bit, and then they ran to the pile of tails. They looked up at the humans, who were very cross-looking. There was no time to sit there and find their right tail, their beautiful tail that had fitted them perfectly, the tail they had had since birth. The dogs turned around, pressing their bottoms onto the nearest tail, and then they ran home as fast as their little doggy legs would carry them. And when they got home, they hid under tables or chairs, in the corners of the room or in the shed, anywhere they could to avoid the humans finding them and shouting at them. To this day, those dogs have never found their right tail. And that's why when you take a dog for a walk to a park or a field, to a river or a hillside, they always do the same thing. When they meet another dog, instead of saying hello, they sniff their bottom. They sniff the other dog's bottom, so the story goes, because they are looking for their tail that they lost all those years ago. Excuse me, is that my tail? says the dog. They are looking for their own tail, whether it is fluffy or spotty or just plain. And that is the story of why dogs sniff each other's bottoms. Well, at least that's the story as I heard it. It happened or it did not. The time is long past and most is forgot. <laughs>